0: In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, "'Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered.'
1: "'Have faith in God,' Jesus answered. "'I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, "'Go, throw yourself into the sea,' and does not doubt in his heart, "'but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. "'Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, "'believe that you have received it, and it will be yours.' And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Thank you, Dan. So let us let us pray again as we come to God's word this morning uh, and just pray that he would guide us as we unpack it. So, so Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that that gives us wisdom and understanding as we come to your word. And, and so I pray this morning that uh, you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand, uh, a mind that is uh, willing to, to learn and grow, no matter how long we've been learning and growing and following you. And so just we pray, especially that you would, as we finish this series this morning, that you would embed in us a richness in our prayer life in Jesus name amen Amen. so this is week three of our our three-week series of relearning how to pray Uh, and so in the first week of our series I shared with you this quote from my two-year-old son Samson Um, and this is the prayer he prays uh, when he gets to say grace before a meal dear God amen he actually more more says it like this dear God amen um, and uh, as I said in the first week, I've been trying to sandwich in there at least a thank you for the food or thank you for our family, uh, but, but this is Samson's prayer. And so we've been relearning about how to pray, uh, but this is a good point for us to pause and remember that any leaning towards God in prayer is a good thing. There is something actually simple and profound about Samson's prayer. Uh, I'm not investing too much understanding into my two-year-old son, but if we, if we take it for us uh, and, and think about it, there's actually something sinful and profound about Samson's prayer. Because at its very heart, prayer is a leaning towards God. At its very heart, prayer is a turning our attention, our consciousness, uh, our, our being towards God. And so to simply say, dear God, amen, which amen simply means uh, a sense of agreement and affirmation. And so to simply say, dear God, I agree, amen to you, uh, is actually quite profound. Um, We may be aware of the psalm uh, that says, um, if I can click to the next slide, Peter. We may be aware of the psalm that says this, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And, and so that sense of just being still and, and knowing that God is God is in a sense the essence, the, the genesis of prayer. It's turning our attention towards God. And so as I think about this week, I, I was thinking about Samson who's who, he's almost three in a, in a couple months' time and his language is picking up. And for, for most children, they begin, uh, they're, they're talking to their parents with the simple words of mama or dada or mummy or daddy and, or Martin and da, and we, we'd go, oh, you said dad! But it was just kind of a random noise that came out of their mouth and, um, and, and we get excited about it. But they begin just with the simple dad or mom. And as they mature, they learn a greater vocabulary which uh, they build upon, which builds their relationship and their understanding and, and, and their connection with their parents. And so I want to say this morning, before we kind of dig into the last part of, of this series, if your prayer life right now is a non-event, if your prayer life feels like it's in its infancy, then I encourage you to to begin to learn from my son Samson and just simply begin with, dear God, amen. To simply begin with not having to have the vocabulary, not having to have the words or the right pattern or, 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 or the right thing to say, but simply begin with turning your attention towards the person and presence of God. Dear God, amen. That, that, in essence, is where we need to begin. If prayers on event then begin with at least once a day or, or, or ultimately as many times as you can think of it, just begin with, with just turning your attention towards God. Just acknowledging His presence in your life. Because this, this series, Relearning How to Pray, is about growing in maturity, about building our vocabulary in prayer, about building our connection with God in prayer that results in a deeper, more intimate, richer relationship with God. But it's not about primarily you've been praying wrong. It's about relearning to pray as Jesus taught so that our prayer life might be richer and more fulfilling. And so our teacher, as I've been saying each week in this series about relearning how to pray, isn't primarily me. I'm learning as I explore. And, and I have to say my own prayer life has been invigorated as I've been um, in, you know, getting to, to, to dig through this and prepare messages about it. But our, our teacher has been Jesus um, as we've been relearning to pray. And, and Jesus said, as we've been exploring in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, this then is how, not what, not just keep repeating these words, but this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And and so far as we've been exploring this, we've we've been unpacking these things that, that in the first week we looked at Prayer is primarily about relationship with God, with Him as our Father, our Father in heaven, and us as uh, His children, His beloved children. And so prayer is primarily about that relationship connection. Uh, Our prayer should also focus on worship, on hallowing the name of God, not just simply on request, on what we want and need. Uh, Our prayer should focus on God's will before our own, His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, often we fall into the trap of praying that our will be, would be done in heaven as it is on earth. Um, and then last week we looked at uh, praying for our daily bread, praying for the things that we do need. And, and so Jesus encourages us, it's not the biggest part of this prayer, but He encourages us to seek God for our needs, to trust Him. And, and, and we explored these three fundamental truths that shape how we do that last week. That, that your Father in Heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. That your Father in Heaven cares deeply for you. And that your Father in Heaven gives to those who ask Him. And so we don't pray, Father, give us our daily bread, anxiously, beggingly, trying to give Him information we don't think He has. We pray with confidence and boldness because He cares about us, He knows about us, and He wants to give good gifts to us. And so today we're going to unpack the last two verses of what we call the Lord's Prayer, often that this, this model of prayer that Jesus has given his followers. And as we do so, I want us to keep in mind these three fundamental truths, because they also apply to what we're, we're exploring today. Uh, in the original Greek, these last three verses, in fact, are all one-sentences. One sentence. It it says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. So, Jesus here is really still encouraging us to pray for our needs, but he's just going to a deeper level of need our spiritual need for forgiveness, our spiritual need to forgive, our spiritual need for protection and deliverance. And, And so, as we explore these last ideas in Jesus' prayer, I want you to remember that your Father knows. As we, sum, as we shortened it to last week, your father cares and your father gives. The, these fundamental truths are, are true for all of existence, but especially as we explore the second part of this one big sentence. And so Jesus continues with, he's uh, teaching on prayer with this sentence, and forgive us our debts. So give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And so the truth is, our need for forgiveness is greater than our need for bread. Jesus came that we might find forgiveness from our sins and and have restored relationship with God. And so in Jesus, we are a new creation. We are spotless. We are blameless. We are forgiven. Yet Jesus still teaches us to pray to the Father, asking Him to forgive us our debts. so just as our prayer for, for bread for our physical needs is an acknowledgement that we depend completely on the Father for our material needs, our prayer for forgiveness is an, an acknowledgement that we depend completely upon the grace of God for forgiveness. It's an acknowledgement of our dependence upon Him. And just like our prayer for bread, this is prayer is not a prayer of uncertainty. It's not a prayer of begging for forgiveness. It's not a prayer of, of hoping and wishing that God will somehow find it in his heart to forgive us. It's a prayer of confidence, knowing that God will forgive. In 1 John verses 8 and 9 it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. I like that because we're not kidding anybody else. We're just deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so there's no point hiding our sin from God. It is a simple exercise in self-deception. But God is faithful to forgive those who acknowledge their sin before Him. He's not only faithful to forgive us the sin he's faithful to purify us from from it and to make us righteous not just debt erased but remade new purified and righteous and so Jesus told a a parable to illustrate this point that, that we should confess our sin before the father in prayer and he told it in luke chapter 18 verse 10 and i don't have this on the slide but but just encouraging um, you to listen to this it's a it's a familiar parable i'll actually begin in verse 9 chapter luke chapter uh, 18 verse 9 he says this uh, said to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else jesus told this parable two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee a part of the strict religious sect and the other a tax collector, which in the New Testament is code for Ben, really, 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 really sinful. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I I give a tenth of all I get to the poor. Sorry, I give a tenth of all I get. Uh, just imagine me standing up in church and go, God, I just thank you, I'm not like Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the tax collector, the, this sinner, stood, off, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God, before everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so this isn't about this man was forgiven because of his, you know, display of, of grief at his sin before God. He was forgiven because he acknowledged. His sinfulness before God. He didn't try and come before God and go, well, look, God, I'm pretty good. I've got, you know, I attend church at least once every month, and I uh, I am giving some money to the church, and I'm 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 not a tax collector, and I'm not a thief, or and I'm not committing adultery, and so God, I'm pretty good, don't you think? The the tax collector comes before God and says, have mercy, I'm a sinner. He acknowledges his sin before God and is forgiven. King David speaks of the blessing and freedom that comes from acknowledging our sin before God in Psalm 32 verses 1 to 5. I do not have that up there either, sorry. Psalm 32 verses 1 to 5, he says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one... Whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now listen, ca- capture this: when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me; my strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. And so David was trying to hide his sin from God. He was trying to conceal from God who knows all things that he had messed up hugely. He'd taken another man's wife. He'd slept with her. Uh, they had conceived a child. Uh, he had arranged to have the, wife, the husband of that woman killed. And he tried to conceal that from God. And, and you know, God revealed that he... I, I kind of know about that, David, through the prophet Nathan. And, and then so in Psalm 32... Um, David goes on to say this, then I acknowledge my sin to you. So instead of trying to hold it in and wasting away, been eaten away from the inside, David says, then I acknowledge my sin to you. He did have some encouragement and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And so the rest of that Psalm is encouraging others to do likewise, to to confess, to To reveal to the God who already knows our iniquity and our transgression. And be released from it. For many of us there is something within us that struggles to admit that we have been wrong. Or have committed some wrongdoing. Or have especially been sinful. Just ask my wife and she will be able to tell you a person in our family who is like that who is not one of the children or herself. Uh, I can say, I struggle to say I was wrong And, and, and I'm not completely unique in that. We struggle sometimes to admit our wrongdoing but there's no point hiding our sin from God. He already knows that we aren't perfect. He already knows that we've fallen short and that is why he sent his son Jesus to save us. And so our prayer should include acknowledgement before God where we have sinned and fallen short that we are sinners by nature but not in our new creation in Jesus but that we do sin and have fallen short and our prayer should acknowledge that before God, that our righteousness is in Him and Him alone. Hebrews says that we can go boldly into the throne room of God, but we can only do that through the forgiveness and blood of Jesus. And so as we did in the first week, we didn't do it last week, but, but I, want, I want to lead us uh, in a moment of, of praying. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then it just in your own headspace, if, if you really feel bold and want to out loud confess your sins in front of everybody, um, you have my permission to do that. But, but I just want to encourage you to take an opportunity. And it's not about trying to you know do an internal witch hunt and list every sin you've ever done. It's about simply acknowledging before God that we rely completely upon His grace. And so um, I'm going to pray and then, then leave you a moment, just a few seconds, just to just to have your own private prayer with God in this regard. And so, Father, I thank you. Personally, I thank you, and on behalf of all of us, I thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus, that we might have forgiveness. And so, Father, I ask that you free me and you free us from the trap of of, self-deception, of trying to pretend we're without sin. I pray that you free us from the weight of our sin, And give us uh, the ability and the, uh, the desire to reveal all that we are before you. And so, Father, I confess before you that I am sinful. I fall short. As the Anglican confession says, I have not always done what I ought to and I have done what I ought not. So just take a moment now just in your own space and thoughts to just pray before God and acknowledge before Him that that you fall short. Mm. And so we thank you, Father, that As we confess our sin before you, you are faithful to not only forgive us, but make us righteous, to purify us from the very sin that we confess to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Jesus doesn't just teach that we should acknowledge our own debt of sin before God and seek forgiveness. He teaches that we should also release our others from their debts of sin against us before the Father in heaven. Uh, and so he goes on to say, he said, and forgive us our debts. And then he goes on to say, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And so our English translations actually tend to, uh, to hide the, the fact that uh, this forgiving of others isn't something that's necessarily a once-off event. It's something that is complete, yet it continues in the present and into the future. It's a, it's a completeness of forgiveness, but it's something that continues, a process that continues um, as we go on with God. And so as followers of Jesus, we are not only um, to receive forgiveness from God, we are required to forgive others. Um, and so Deb um, actually sent me a text message last week, um, and um, sent me through this picture. And she said, I'm oh, just looking at the title of the sermon tomorrow, I thought of this. And um, if it's a bit hard to read, it's, it's reflecting on, on when uh, the disciples came to Jesus and says they've started to capture this idea of, you know, I should forgive others because you're forgiving me. And, and how, but how many times? Like, What's the extent of forgiveness? And, and Jesus says, well, 77 times 7. And so here on the left there's Jesus... I've actually got a laser pointer, that's cool. Um, I tell you not seven times, but 70 70 times seven. And the guy on the right over there with his head in his face, um, it says, great, not only do I have to forgive my brother, now I have to do math. And so the line at the bottom, in case you can't read it, it says, forgive because it's easier than math. Math is hard. Um, And so uh, as followers of Jesus, we're encouraged to simply... Forgive others as Jesus has forgiven us. And so the last verse of what Dan read for us this morning in Mark chapter 11 verse 25 says this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And so Jesus here talks about forgiving those who we hold a debt of sin against them before God in prayer. And so it is great if it's appropriate to tell someone that you've forgiven them. To say, Steve, I forgive you uh, for that thing. But it's before God in prayer that the primary place of forgiveness happens. And in fact, I'd suggest that we should do our forgiveness in that relationship and conversation with God before we communicate that forgiveness to someone else. Um, because it's God to whom all debts are ultimately owned. And so this verse, and, and, and in uh, Matthew where we've been exploring, connects our ability to forgive others in prayer before the Father with our ability to receive forgiveness. And so after uh, he teaches his model prayer to his disciples, Jesus says this as a little footnote in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so the truth is, we do not earn God's forgiveness through forgiving others. The Bible makes that clear, that we cannot earn God's forgiveness through any effort of our own, and that it is a gift of grace through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Our forgiving of others does nothing to earn forgiveness. God's forgiveness, but if we cannot forgive others, it shows that we have not adopted an attitude of repentance and gratitude that makes receiving forgiveness possible for us. And so, as a preacher, I do love it when people send me sermon illustrations. Um, and so that was last night. It's never too late. So if you've got a great sermon illustration, feel free to send it through to me. Um, but I also love it when Jesus not only teaches us the content, but gives us the sermon illustrations as well. Um, it makes my life easier. Uh, and, and so in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, Jesus tells the parable that we might uh, know as the unmerciful servant or the unforgiving servant. And, and he, he, he shares a story where... Uh, this person owes this enormous debt before their master and it's an unpayable debt and we've talked about this before that um, at the average day worker's wage it would take him something like 10,000 years to pay off Um, and so the master forgives him that debt and then this person though who's been forgiven this enormous debt goes out and starts strangling one of his fellow servants because he owes him a few dollars. And so this distresses everybody because it doesn't seem like appropriate behavior for someone who's just been forgiven such an enormous debt. And so he gets dragged back before the master and the master says, I forgave you your debt, shouldn't you have also forgiven others? In verse 33 of Matthew 18 he says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And so God is faithful to forgive our sins and so we too must be faithful to forgive the sins of others. (coughs) If we are unable to forgive others their debts against us, it demonstrates that we haven't truly received and come to terms with the size of the debt that Jesus, that the Father, that the Holy Spirit has cleaned and, and forgiven us. If we're going to hold others to account for their debts against us, that's a sign that we're minimizing what Jesus has really forgiven us of. That we don't really, that we haven't really taken hold of the fullness of what Jesus has accomplished for us. And so, one of the the the, the most uh, straightforward signs that we've received. And, and accepted and entered into God's grace is our capacity to forgive others, our passing on of the forgiveness of debt. So when we stand in prayer, if we if we have anything we hold against anyone, Jesus says in, in Mark, we are called to take that opportunity of conversation with the Father in heaven to forgive that person. Now forgiveness is not saying it's okay. It didn't matter. It was alright that they did that. It's simply saying that that person incurred a debt against me. They harmed me in some way. They took from me in some way. That There's an account there that, that justice would say, justice in a legalistic sense would say, they owe me something. There's reparation to be paid. Forgiveness isn't saying it's okay. Forgiveness is saying... I will require no repayment or reparation for what they did. And so Jesus says, when we're praying, over we realize I'm holding something against someone, then take that opportunity to say, Father, I forgive them. Give me the ability to forgive that person. And so forgiving others should be a part of our prayer lives. It should be a regular part of our prayer lives because... If you have people in your life, if you're not a hermit and you have other people in your life, there will be debts to forgive. No matter how perfect the people in your life are, there will be debts to forgive if you have people in your life. And so a regular part of our prayer should be forgiving other people. And so just as we did a moment ago, I'm going to lead us uh, in a moment of prayer and encourage you, if there's anybody that you're holding a debt against, Um, for some of us, the sign of that will be, but I can't forgive that person, Um, then I encourage you to take this opportunity in your own heart before the Father to say, Father, give me the grace to forgive that person. And, And say in your heart, I forgive Steve Hill in Jesus' name, or whoever inserts in that space. And so, Father, I thank you that you have forgiven us once more. Now I do pray that you would give us the grace to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Let us not be as the unforgiving, unmerciful servant. Let us fully come to terms with the debt that you have cleared on our behalf that we might have the grace to forgive others. And so... Just now take a moment in your own space just if there's anyone that you feel you need to forgive just to, in your heart and mind just present that person before the Father and Jesus name amen and so Jesus goes on and and this is the last part of Jesus model prayer he he goes on to say and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and so not only do our spiritual needs include the need to forgive and the need to be forgiven we also need spiritual protection and we also need spiritual deliverance and so Jesus guides our prayers towards trusting the Heavenly Father in this space as well. The word used here in the Greek for temptation could be translated uh, testing as well. And so we know from the Scriptures that uh, that uh, followers of Jesus will be tempted and will be tested. And so this prayer uh, then is a prayer that will not be tempted or tested beyond our capacity to bear up under it, beyond our capacity to stand through it And within it. It is a prayer that God would protect us from it, but even in the midst of it, that he would deliver us through it. And so it's similar to uh, what Jesus um, encouraged his disciples to to pray uh, on the night of his betrayal. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so Jesus is essentially saying the temptation is there, but be watchful and prayerful that you don't fall into it. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses, uh, verse 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can endure it. And we can plug the word tested into there every time it says tempted, and, and it's just as faithful a translation. And so Paul is saying, Corinthians, that that God is the one who delivers us through and out of temptation, so that we don't fall to it. So our prayer is that we will be spared temptation and testing, but that when it does come, we'll be given the grace to endure it. And Jesus acknowledges that our, our temptation and our testing don't occur as a random accident. Jesus taught his followers to pray for deliverance from the evil one. That is Satan. And so the Bible clearly portrays Satan as the one who accuses, as the one who tests, as the one who tempts and seeks to cause God's people to fall. And so we see it in Jesus' own testing and temptation after his baptism at the genesis of his ministry. He went out into the wilderness and was tempted and tested by Satan for 40 days. Well, after 40 days of fasting. We see it in the Old Testament story of Job. That the, the, the devil tests and tempts Job to curse the name of God. To fall away from, from faith in him. And we see it in Jesus' words to Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. He says, Simon, which is Peter's original name. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And so Jesus is praying essentially on Peter's behalf that through this tempting, this temptation, this this sifting of Peter by the evil one, that his faith would not fail. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, this is the essence of what we're praying that our faith would not fail through testing and temptation. Uh, Jesus is simply acknowledging the truth that, that uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And so we pray for bread, we pray for forgiveness, we pray that we might be able to forgive and we pray to forgive others. But we also pray because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual enemy. On our own we are helpless against Satan, but Jesus has overcome the enemy. And so we pray, lead us not into tempting or temptation that we might fall, but deliver us from Satan protect us from falling and deliver us from the enemy. And so our prayers should include prayers for perseverance, for deliverance through trial and temptation. Our prayer should include prayers for deliverance from and protection from our spiritual enemy. And so I'm actually going to get our worship team to, to start preparing and I'm just going to lead us again in prayer. Um, and then we're going to conclude and wrap up, and we're just going to spend um, some more time in prayer this morning and in and through some worship to finish off. So, um, But Father, I pray for us as a church that you would lead us, as a whole church, but also as individual followers of Jesus, that you would lead us not into temptation, that, that we would be preserved from testing and trial, but where testing and trial do come, I pray that you would deliver us out of it, that we would see the way out, that we would be given the grace to endure and remain faithful to you. And I pray that you would protect us and deliver us from the attacks of the enemy. In Jesus' name. And so to conclude this morning and to conclude this series on prayer, I want to come back to where we started this morning and where we started the series with Samson's prayer of Dear God, Amen. Uh, Of leaning into God. And, and so I, I'm going to lead us in some prayer in a moment, but uh, we're just going to have the... Pardon me. We're just going to jump back into that song that we finished with our, our worship time of Come to the Altar. And, and you might like to sing the words, but I just want to encourage you to just take this opportunity to see it as an invitation to lean into God. learning how to pray is about connecting with god the father as his child it's about worshiping god it's about putting god's will first in your life it's about asking god to meet your needs it's about seeking forgiveness it's about forgiving others it's about seeking deliverance and protection but first and foremost we need to lean into god and so we're going to take this time to lean into god and then we're going to finish with with a time of prayer together and so as i said sing the words sit there and take the invitation. Whatever leaning into God looks like for you right now.
0: is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born, Jesus is calling.
1: Blood of Jesus Christ. So the worship team is going to continue to play and and I just encourage you to keep leaning into God. But as you're leaning into God, I just want you to ask yourself and, and perhaps ask the Father in prayer. What is the most neglected facet of Jesus model for prayer in your own prayer life? So I want to encourage you just to take just going to take a few minutes as the worship team continues to play. I just want to encourage you to take this moment to dig into that space. Uh, perhaps' it's, there's a, a disconnect in your relationship with God as, as you a child and he your father. perhaps there's just not a lot of worship in your prayer life perhaps your prayer is more about your wills and desires than God's and there's an opportunity to seek his will first perhaps you never actually come before God and ask for what you need or you do it in a begging anxious way rather than knowing he cares perhaps uh, you've never acknowledged your sin before God and sought forgiveness perhaps there's others that you need to forgive perhaps you just never really pray that God would deliver you and protect you against the spiritual enemy whatever's the most neglected part of your prayer life i just encourage you as the band plays there won't be any words for a moment son so you can close your eyes and forget about everyone else around you it's just you and the father here And i just encourage you to just take these few minutes to press into the most neglected part of your prayer life. They're free to stay in that space with the father uh, to, to, to keep praying uh, in that space if that's that's uh, the most fruitful way of connecting with God in this time so we thank you Jesus we thank you that you bought forgiveness for us with your own reflect on, on this series we've, we've walked through, we also thank you that you taught us how to connect with the Father in prayer. And so I pray that our prayer lives would be enriched, would be given fresh life and intimacy and fruitfulness. In your name we pray this Jesus.